Lord to die He might give Eternal life That I might live Then rose again Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. For Jesus saved my soul that night. Look in 2 Corinthians and chapter 6. 2 Corinthians and chapter 6. Now here's an interesting couple of verses. Look in verse 14. See, God wants those who believe the same way, of the same mind, to be yoked together. God doesn't mean for us to be little mavericks all by ourselves and all alone. That's what makes a church so important. It's what makes a church powerful when God's people work together to get something done. It's called yoke fellow. Fellows that are yoked together for the cause of Christ. But there's another word that's used here also in verse 14. But be ye not unequally yoked together with what? With unbelievers. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. And there's a reason for all of that. You see, when he makes this statement here, not to be yoked together with unbelievers, for what, and here's a few words, fellowship, uh, communion, concord in verse 15, which means like agreement with people. The other word agreement in verse 16 is with things, you know, temples and so forth and Idols like that. And so you have a purpose in life. And you you will burden yourself down more by yoking yourself together under burdens with the wrong people. And you have to watch doing that in business. Because if anybody in business does something wrong and God has to chasten them, he's going to chasten you right along with them. And that's why you have to be careful. Is it possible that um, a man and a woman can get married to the wrong person? Is it possible? Now, the Bible does say, he that findeth a woman findeth a good thing. So what does that mean? It means a woman's lost without a man. (laughs) But if the woman is lost, she's lost and the man is saved, should he marry her? Hmm? What do you think? I mean, what's the message you would get from that? Be not unequally yoked together between a Christian and an atheist, as it mentions here, an infidel. Somebody who's with God and somebody who's without God 
Should they get along peacefully and have happy communion? No, they shouldn't. It should cause a lot of turmoil. and a lot of, You put a yoke upon yourself that can destroy you and weigh you down and burden you. And so you have to be very, very careful. So you look what he says here in uh, verse 16. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them, walk in them, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. So what God is saying, look, we don't have a temple today. This is not the temple of God, this church. My body is the temple of God. And he lives within my body. This body is his temple. And so because my body is the temple of God, he says, I will be their God and they will be my people. I am, I'm the child of God. So me and God should be yoked together for the same purpose in life. Don't you agree? Whatever it is God wants me to do, I should be willing to do and take his yoke. It means I should live for the burden he wants to place upon my neck. The purpose for my life should be whatever his requirement, whatever he wants. But you see, I should be a love slave, a a bond slave. The word is doulos in the Greek and it's found in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4 and verse 1 where it says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. means I am a love slave. See, we don't serve God because we're little slaves, but we're love slaves. I love him so much, I can trust his yoke. And I don't run from his yoke. I don't run from his responsibility, a burden I guess he want to place upon me. What is it that God wants me to do with my life? And I can allow him to put that yoke upon me, that burden upon me. And the thing that I see very little of today is people who are willing to have a burden for souls. See, burden for souls means that I'm living here in this present life, at this present time, to get as many people from here to there. And it's always been something that has, I guess, dogged me all my life. Because I keep trying to think of ways in which I can, how can we get more? How can we get more? And I thank the Lord for the ministry that God's given us so that we can reach a little bit more. But I'm sure there's a lot more that we can do and should do. But the last part of verse 16 again. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now look what he says in verse 17. The reason that he says come out from among them and be ye separate. Because your burden is separate. It's, it's not the same as theirs. Your yoke is not the same as theirs. God doesn't want us to be conformed to this world by wearing their yoke. For living like they want us to live. We're, we're different. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind because our yoke is different. And he says in verse 17, Wherefore come out from among them, be ye separate. saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Be separate, not to be a fence straddler, not to be a compromiser. And I will receive you, and you will be a father unto you. Ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God. So we're supposed to live like God is my father. And I am his child. And he's going to reveal these things to us. Now, the very next verse in chapter 7 goes with what was finishing up there in chapter 6. So let's just finish up with verse 18 and look in verse 1. Having therefore, 
these promises. Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting our holiness in the fear of God. Whatever it is God wants me to do with my life is the perfecting of holiness in the fear of God. Living my whole life with a high, holy, reverential respect for God himself. And God will bless us for doing so. Now, take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts in chapter 15. Acts in chapter 15. I just wonder about this verse just a little bit. You remember when Jesus was uh, being um, oh, tempted by the devil? And he says, why don't you take these stones and make them bread? Because he was hungry, hadn't ate for a long time. And, I mean, if you're the son of God, how hard would it be for you just to take these stones and make bread out of them? I mean, if I had the power, I, you'd be surprised. I'd, I'd turn so many things into a chocolate eclair. <laughs> oh, that was good. Boy, that was good. But anyway, I can't have them chocolate eclairs, so so much for that. But here in Acts chapter 15, it's um, got something interesting, you know, for us. And look in verse, verse 10. Look in verse 10. Because now the issue had come up about the Gentiles who had trusted Christ as Savior. And God had used Peter to reach Cornelius, some Gentiles. And God had already established the fact that Gentiles could be saved, just like the Jews, by grace and grace alone. Peter had a problem, but God had to deal with him, finally convinced him. And so, since God had, you know, gave his word and established the fact, there shouldn't be any more question about it. But they came up with a, well, should, should we have to put these Gentiles... Under the law? No. Well, what about uh, not just to be saved, but to stay saved? No. What about just to live the good old Christian life, putting people back under the law? No. So anyway, Paul and Barnabas had to go, and they went to this big meeting they were having in Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, um, in uh, Jerusalem. And so they um, all got together, and they came to the conclusion that um, they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to keep the law. And they didn't have to put these Gentiles under the law because they were coming out from Judaism. So why put these Gentiles under Judaism? So anyway, that was in chapter 15. So look in verse 7. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel And do what? Well, evidently, that's all the gospel required, is to believe. And God, knowing the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. So the Holy Spirit was given to those that simply did nothing more than believe, because God knows who believes. True? I mean, we can can deceive one another, but not God. And so then he says here in verse 9, and put no difference... Between us and them, purifying their hearts by what? You ought to line those two words, faith. In verse 10, now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Those words, why tempt ye God? 
how can you tempt God? When he told him to jump off the pinnacle and the angels will bear thee up lest you dash thy foot against a stone. Remember he had done told him, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And sometimes I believe even God's children tempt God. Tempt God. By thinking they can do the things that they do without making God angry. Are you tempting God by, can I make God angry? Can I bear the burdens of the world and not the burden of Christ? The yoke of the world and God not be upset or angry? Can I tempt God and then regret it later? Can I live as I please and get away with it? Are you trying to tempt God to do something that God really doesn't want to do? And you'll wish you hadn't attempted God to do. Remember this. Why provoke God to anger? Why do things in your life that would upset God? If there's anyone that I would never want to make mad, it would be God. Because you realize what he can do to me? When you understand that, it ought to scare you to death. Tempt God? Why tempt ye God? Did God make a mistake by saving those Gentiles through Peter? Didn't he already establish the fact that they were saved without the law and without their works? And while Peter was preaching to them, they were saved by grace? Why tempt ye God? Is though what God said wasn't clear enough, it wasn't good enough, and now you've got to try to compromise in some way? I don't think so. So he says here in verse 11, But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So the Jews were going to be saved just like the Gentiles were going to be saved. Now, take your Bible and turn to the book of Galatians in chapter 5. The book of Galatians in chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. You ever seen this verse before? If you haven't, it's a good verse to memorize. And verse 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What's the yoke of bondage? Well, let's just say that um, you have, yes, been made free from the law. You're free from having to work and earn your salvation. Because God gave it to you as a gift. So now don't go thinking for a moment that you can secure your salvation by being good. You didn't have to be good to get it. So don't think you have to be good or stay good to secure it. It has nothing to do with your good works. Don't become entangled again with the yoke of bondage. In other words, it's like on your own. Choosing to put a great big old yoke of iron upon your neck and walking around for the rest of your life under this heavy load, this burden, but you put it there. God didn't do that. And therefore, you're, you're tempting God by saying, I can do this. And God says, no, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. And you're trying to, like, fight against God it's like walking over that wall and pushing on that wall trying to make a door through it. 
and you're wasting your time. You're pushing in vain. You know, I did not have a clue that when I came out of surgery, trying to lift my hand would wear me out. I mean, physically drained because it was kind of like trying to pick up the podium and straining at it, and I couldn't lift it, and I'm straining, and I'm perspiring, and it's hurting, and it's aching, and I'm giving out. And when I finally stopped, I just, I just give it up. I would try to get in the car and try to close my door, reaching out to get the door. Because now I'm inside, and I can't get my head out, and my arm not long enough. And I'm trying to get to the door, and I should have closed it more so, so I could have reached the door handle, so I could close the door, but I can't reach it. And so when I finally lunge for it, and if I just miss it by a half an inch, my arm would fall clean down and, and hurt like crazy. The pressure. I couldn't do it. I couldn't make myself do it. And it's kind of like trying to lift this thing here and wear me out. And some people go through their whole lives and they wear themselves out because they never learn how to trust the Lord. And you can wear yourself out and drain yourself of all kinds of energy worrying about things you can't change. Trying to do something you can't do. And God will allow you to be totally frustrated and live totally in despair because you have not yet learned Just trust the Lord. Take a deep breath. Slow down. And you'll be surprised. You have put these pressures on yourself. You put yokes of iron upon yourself. And you're trying to carry this heavy load. And yet at the same time he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Well, then where did this come from? You did it. You You let the devil just add on this and add on that and add on this and add on that. And then you whine. Look what God did to me. And God didn't do that. See, what you do is you always depend upon the Lord to give you strength and the grace to bear whatever it is he wants you to do. It's because we want to do what God wants us to do and I want to do what I want to do. And that sometimes the two don't gel together. And so you have these pressure. Take your Bible and go all the way back here to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. I love this verse back here in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy and chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. There's an interesting verse that's found here. And this is what God had told the children of Israel. He said, if you will serve me, I am going to bless you. But if you don't, then I'm going to have to... Whoop you, I'm going to have to chasten you. So in chapter 28, look very quickly there in verse 8. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses, and in all that thou settest thy hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and the Lord shall establish thee, and blah, 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 blah. And verse 12, and the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heavens to give the rain Unto upon thy land in the season, and to bless all the work of thy hand, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow, and you're going to be the head, and they're going to be the tail, and America now is the tail, and 
China is the head. But anyway, we'll move right along. So he says that in verse 15. Now you can have the blessings of God, but in verse 15, but it shall come to pass if, see that word if, you ought to underline it. If thou will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Means you cannot escape. They will overtake you. They're going to be problems and pressures and weights running after you and they're going to catch you. And you can try to outrun them and you're going to wear yourself out. But you can't outrun them. And they're going to pounce upon you. And they're going to keep on until they destroy you. But anyway, that's uh, in this same chapter. Now, look what we have here in verse 45. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee, shall pursue thee. That means there's no escape. And he says, and shall pursue thee and overtake thee till thou be what? See, a lot of God's Christians concerning the Lord's work have already been destroyed. They've been set on shelves. They're not doing anything for God. In other words, as they said about a certain man, it would have been better, like with Judas, if he had never been born. Some Christians... It would have been better if God had never left them here. Because all they're doing is wasting their life. And they're going to live to regret it. All the opportunities that God gave and they threw it all away. And it didn't have to be that way. And so he makes a statement here in verse 47. Look in verse 47. And that word, because, you ought to underline that word, because. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. See, you don't lose by serving God. That's how you secure the abundance of God's blessings. God doesn't bless disobedience. He blesses obedience. So he says in verse 48, Therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies which the Lord shall send against thee, in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and in want of all things. You know what most Christians are doing all their life because they're not satisfied with what God has. They're always wanting, 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 and never being satisfied. And they spend all their life chasing those little soap bubbles that pops in their hands and leaves them empty. And then they wake up one day and realize, my life has been spent, I've accomplished nothing, I've lived for the world, and I haven't laid up anything in heaven. And I have not reached souls for Christ, which is what I should have done, or my, should have been the purpose of my life. So look what else he says here. In verse 49, the Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far. From the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle. A nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand. See, this was promised way before Israel was ever taken out of the land into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar. All this was prophesied in advance, warning them that this is what's going to happen. And so he says here in the last part of verse 48, go back to verse 48. The last part of verse 48 says, and he shall put, and you ought to underline this in your Bible, a yoke of what? Iron. Let me ask you a question. I don't want nobody speaking out loud. I don't want you to... 
interfere with anybody else's thinking. What weighs the most? Pound of rocks or a pound of feathers? How many say pound of rocks? How many say a pound of feathers? How many don't know? Huh? Which weighs the most? The same. That's because your mother told you. She did. She told you. I heard her all the way up here. It weighs the same. A pound of rocks and a pound of feathers. That yoke of iron is going to be in direct ratio to your rebellion to God. You rebel against God and you can expect the yoke of iron. And it's going to be correct recompense. You're going to deserve it. And I would say I would rather have God's blessings upon my life than God's chastening. But I do have this continual burden in my heart. I wish there was a a lot of young men today that wanted to be preachers and missionaries. You see, they want to be everything but a preacher and a missionary or to serve God full time as an evangelist, whatever. It's like, that's an anathema. That's a curse. Anything but that. What is that? Somebody who tells people what God said. All the preachers, somebody who tells people what God said. Is that so bad? If people need to hear what God says, then how important is it for somebody to tell people what God said? Oh, well. Can I make people obey God? Nope. Nobody can make me do it. I had a decision I had to make years ago, and it was just something I decided to do. I knew I'd make a, a good mess out of my life, and I wanted, to, I wanted to serve God. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he does love us. Aren't you glad of that? And he loves us, but he hates what we do wrong. And we've all sinned against God. And so the payment for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. And so God wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. We've all come short of God's perfection. And we need a Savior. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into this world because he loves us. Now he hates our sin because... Our sin separates us from the Lord. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. But because he loved us, he had to die. He had to take our sins and pay for them on the cross. Now, what made him do that? Love. And so he says in the book of John, chapter 14, that the world world may know that I love my Father. I'm going to do this. So we're supposed to believe that the Son loved the Father. And he wanted us to know how much that he was willing to die and pay for our sins. Came back from the dead and said that all that we had to do was believe he did it for us. And he would give us as a free gift everlasting life. Why do people run from telling people about this? It's the greatest thing in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. If you're here tonight or if you're watching by internet. When right now in the quietness of this moment, you say, Lord, I don't understand it all. Friend, none of us do. 
But we can understand that we're sinners and Christ paid for our sins and all we had to do is trust him as our Savior. You can handle that. You can do that much. And if you'll believe it, he said he put that payment to your account and you can know that you're going to heaven. Not because of what you've done, but because of what he did for you. Would you trust Jesus Christ right now as your Savior? God said if you trust him, he would save you and give eternal life. And I pray that you would. Father, we thank you again for your blessing. Thank you for all that you've done for us. And for this time together, bless us and bless this church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Dr. Arnold has many items to help you in your walk with the Lord, including videos, books, tracks, outlines to hundreds of sermons, over 4,000 radio messages, and preaching schedule. Once again, feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com and he will respond as quickly as possible. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. That's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace Amazes me